0: My message for you tonight is called turning pressure into power. Turning the pressures of life into the power that God has created you to walk in, to endure in, because ladies, I don't know about you, but I I prefer to live in freedom. (laughs) I prefer to live with those shackles off my feet. I prefer to live with that weight off my shoulders. And as Cherry was um, sharing, it was so powerful because We have that covenant with God. We have that promise that his blood runs through us. His very life, his essence, the very essence of who God is, the resurrection power of life, he's put in us. The Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I want to talk to you tonight about some seasons that you may have to walk through because the Bible talks about seasons. It talks about In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, it says there's a season for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for tonight. Oh, Father, I humble myself before you and I submit tonight to you, to your will and to your purpose. Holy Spirit, say what you want to say and do what you want to do. Because God, if it's not from you, we don't want it. And if you didn't say it, God, we don't want to hear it. So God, we open our ears, we open our eyes, we open our mouths, and God, we open our spirits to hear what you have to say tonight. We love you and we glorify you for all you are. We glorify you for what you've done in the women's hearts already and what you're continuing to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start with reading a little bit of um, this book that I've been reading. It's, it's called See Life Differently. It's, about, it's by a man called Joel Holm, who's a missionary. And um, he talks about the seasons of life and, and, and different seasons that you may be in and how it's important to recognize those seasons for what they are and let God work through you in that season. So he talks about Jesus, and he says Jesus lived his life intentionally in seasons. He did this by being in tune with the season that the Father had him in, and then by protecting that season for what it was. First, he lived in a season of preparation, which he spent learning and identifying his purpose. And in the wilderness season, he completely isolated himself and practiced being dependent on the Father. There were seasons of his ministry that were for multitudes and teachings and miracles and traveling, while other seasons were about laying low and pouring into his disciples. Jesus was clear about the purpose of each season, and he didn't let any opportunities or outside pressure distract him from what that season was about. I don't know about you, but so often we look at the life of Jesus, and we, we often say, 30 years of prep for three years of power. But really, what was happening in those 30 years were perhaps the greatest miracle of all. Those 30 years that Jesus was in the season of preparation, God was doing something in him so that he could work through him. We glorify the the last three years because that's when we see the manifestation of miracles and teaching, and we see the crucifixion and the resurrection. and, And the greatest miracle of all would perhaps be that Jesus found who he was in the word. You often say, how do I find myself? And sometimes we go through these seasons where we just want to find ourselves. And maybe if I get a new haircut, and maybe if I get a new wardrobe, and maybe if I change jobs, I just need to find myself. God, what is your purpose for me? We have the same thing that Jesus had. We see glimpses into those 30 years. We don't know all of his life. We know that he learned a little bit of carpentry. We know that he helped his father. We see glimpses of Him as as an adolescent, we see him at 12 years old. What did he do? He went to the temple. You know, his parents had taken him to Jerusalem. And on their way back, they were like, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. Well, you were supposed to be watching him. Jesus, I bet he's at the temple. So they go back to Jerusalem. Sure enough, there he is. What's he doing? He's finding himself. He's asking questions. He's saying, this is who I am. He's he's learning, and he's speaking into the, the lives of those around him. So, we see these glimpses in these 30 years, and we have to recognize that it was because of that time that he was able to go through and do what he did in those last three years. I just heard it quoted. They said, uh, Don't expect to be for God to put you in the spotlight if you haven't spent any time in the dark room. And I thought that was so good because many times we judge people's lives in ministry by what we can see on the outside, but we don't know the journey that they've taken from here to get to there. There's a journey that God wants to take you on. It's the longest journey that you'll ever walk, and it's from your head to your heart. It's that 18 inches of knowing what God says about you to believing what God says about you. Tonight when we sing child of God, it's so important to declare who you are in Christ. Because when you do that, you are saying with your mouth, believing in your heart. And sometimes you have to say it till you really believe it. Sometimes you have to read the word over and over and over and over till it travels that 18 inches. And that's the longest journey that you'll ever take, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Once you get there, now there's so much to learn. But if everything in my life were to disappear at this moment, if all those people that I loved were to turn their back on God, if everything that I put sort of a foundation in my family and my church and my friends, if it were to all just disappear, you couldn't convince me that God wasn't real. You couldn't convince me that God didn't love me, and you couldn't convince me that God didn't have a purpose. Why? Because I believe it, because I believe it, because I believe it beyond any shadow of a doubt that even if I'm messing up, even if I'm not in the right place, God loves me. And if you walk away with only knowing one thing from this conference, walk away with that. God loves you. He wants you free. He wants you to walk in deliverance. He doesn't want you to be enslaved, a slave to fear, a slave to failure, a slave to your past. He wants you free. Through the years of obedience, Jesus was daily walking out of his purpose. And what was happening in him began to be released out of him. Now, he could have skipped any of those steps as they were all part of the process, but he didn't. He didn't even skip that desert season. You know, when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit called Jesus out into the desert and he spent 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted. Remember that story? Well, that wasn't easy. Jesus was a a man walking on earth, he was thirsty, he was hungry. What happens to your skin when you're out in the sun? You get baked, your lips get chapped. There's this, when you've gone that many days without food, can you imagine? Can you imagine the way that he felt in that moment and how many times his human emotion wanted to say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. But out of obedience to the Father, he didn't skip that part of the process because in that season, God was preparing him for something to be released out of him. We can't ever fight the season that we're in. We so, and I'm not talking, I, I just want to clarify before I go on. I'm not talking about attacks from the enemy because the Bible says that we have authority in Christ Jesus, that we have authority over sickness and disease and death. I'm not talking about that. But so often in our life we say, oh, this isn't easy, so I'm going to just back away. Let's be real honest, it's not easy for me to get up and and talk in front of people. I would much rather, even at the house today, I said, John, you want to take it tonight? John, you want to preach? But when God asks you to do something and you take a step of faith, that's another step of faith in your journey. And God is growing something, he's forming something, he's fastening something, just like an iron gets heated and formed to be what it's supposed to be. There's a pressure there, and it's important, and that seizing is important, and sometimes there's things that we don't want to do. There's things that maybe, like Miss Mary was sharing with your testimony, when God said, paint it, you said, I don't paint, and I'm sure there was like, I don't even know if I want to (laughs) paint, but she did it out of obedience, and after she did it, she realized the purpose that held. She realized what happened inside of her by just simply walking it out in obedience. Sometimes we're so f- busy fighting the season that when it's hard, and we're praising the season when it's good. But really, our focus was never meant to be on the season itself. It was meant to be on the Father and His power working through that season. So I want to ask you today, because we've all been there where things just seem to be going well, everything's falling into place, and you just want to shout, you just want to praise Him. Come on, Miss Naomi, sing it again. I'm ready. But are you praising God? Or are you praising the season? Because if you're truly praising God, then if if something was happening around you and there's chaos and there's pressure, you would still be praising him because your focus would be on him. And knowing that I may be here now, but I know I have victory, so I'm going to be on the other side. And when I get to the other side, watch me. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to grow because God is doing something in me to work through me for his glory, for his purpose. Don't get frustrated by the season. You have no idea what's God's growing and forging inside of you. Matthew 16, It says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation, but take courage you got to take it. Sometimes I don't feel courageous. Sometimes I don't feel brave. But I take that courage from the Holy Spirit, knowing that without him I'm nothing, but through him, according to Philippians, I can do all things. I can do all things, for we conquer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's why it's so important to do what we did tonight, to testify of the goodness of God. And in those seasons where it seems dry and you say, God, where are you? God, where are you? It's important to remind yourself of the goodness of the Lord, of the greatness that it, you know. I. I have started making a habit of writing those things down because I would believe God for something and declare it and decree it and then it would happen and I would like praise God that day and the next day just move on. And the Holy Spirit said, why do you do that? Why do you not remember? Because you you basically face the same types of things over and over and over again, and the enemy would like to distract you, and the enemy would like to make you feel like you're the only one that's going through that. You're the only one that's experiencing that. You're the only one that doesn't know how to do this or doesn't feel capable. Well, guess what? He says the same stuff to all of us. We're all walking through that. All of us, you know, all my ministry friends, it's so funny they're all, they all say the same things. I don't feel capable. I feel isolated. I'm like, devil, you're so stupid. You can't even think of a new line. Yeah. Devil, you're so stupid. So every time he tries to, to say that to me, you know, no one really cares. I go, you're so stupid. Let me tell you who cares. Yeah. And beyond who cares in my natural realm. Let me tell you who really cares about me. Let me tell you who who paid the price and gave his life for me. And he would do it again if I were the only one. Let me tell you devil who cares. You got to tell him. And you know what? I keep going on these little trails. But let me tell you something else. We were never meant to talk to the devil eye to eye. He is under your feet. He's already defeated. Amen? Amen? So we have overcome the world. When I was Praying today before the service, God brought back what Mary shared, the parting of the Red Sea. And he said, you know, that was a season that the Israelites went through to learn how to trust me. But as we know, the story continues. They didn't learn very fast, did they? You know, sometimes in the, in, in the seasons that we're in, in the chaos of life, There's pressure from every side, and there's this chaos around us. And God reminded me, he said, what did I do to the Red Sea? I parted it. And he said that water represented destruction. It represented death. That army behind them represented chaos. And he said, but I prepared a path for them to walk through. And it was wide, and it was expansive. Now, it was something that they had to walk through. And I think this is at a point that the Holy Spirit wants to bring home tonight is that just because there's stuff going on doesn't mean that you need to shrink back and say, oh, that's of the devil, let me go this way. Because you've you've been given authority and victory. Did God not part the sea? Was the sea still there? Yes. Did it still hold the power of destruction? Yes. But did he not press against it to prepare a path for them to walk through? And what was that for? It was for them to take that step. And, And you would think every step would be another reminder of the goodness of God. You would think that every step would be another reminder of how much God had a covenant with them and was protecting them and upholding them. But they are just like all of us because God has done stuff in our life over and over and over again. And then when we face a new issue, we were like, Oh, well, God, why don't you care? And he's saying, I've prepared a way. Walk in it. Trust me. Take a step of faith. Amen. Matthew and I talk about this a lot in our life. There's things that God has asked us to do and things that we have walked through, particularly in the last three years, that seemingly in the natural are challenging. Now, I'm, again, I'm not talking about attacks of the enemy. We have authority over that. But take, for instance, Matthew's residency. You know, God told him to be a doctor, but Matthew was really interested in biology. He wanted to do something with animals, and he's a really gifted writer And so sometimes when those residency days get long and they get hard, he would say, you know, why didn't God just let me do something that I'm good at? That's easy. You know, I could have stayed home and I could have gone. He loves animals, so he would be totally happy working at a zoo or an aquarium or something like that. And he said, you know, he finally, we were talking about this right before I came, and he said, you know, if I got through residency, finished all of my training, and God said, okay, that's all I wanted you to do, now go and do something else, he said I would totally be at peace because he said I finally realized that I had to walk through this process because it did something in me that I didn't even know that I needed. Walking through that process in obedience to God when the day seemed and the and the operations and everything that he was learning seemed overwhelming, he chose to steady himself in the word of God and in the plan and the purpose of God and just keep walking. And because of that he's come out, he's still in the middle of training, but he's come out stronger. He's come out with more faith and trusting God because if he had never had to do something that was beyond his natural abilities, God has called you to rely upon him. God has called you to put all your trust in him. And if there's nothing in your life that you're believing him for, then there's something wrong there. If there's nothing in your life that's stretching you, that's causing growth in your life, that you're like, God, I need you. God, I depend on you. Then you have to check, go back to God and say, what else do you want me to do? Because God always requires faith from us. It's the realm in which he operates and moves. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if there's nothing in your life that you're really trusting him with and walking through it, that God's producing faith and trust and hope and patience and all of that in you, then maybe it's time to reevaluate. Maybe it's time to stretch We often judge people by their outer circumstances, not knowing their inward progress. And you may see someone walking in miracles, raising the dead, and think, why isn't God doing that in my life? The Holy Spirit said to me, don't covet the destination without being willing to take the necessary steps of the journey. I've done that. I've been at home and went, Man, I want to raise the dead. I want to lay my hands. The Bible says that I'll lay my hands on the sick and see them recover. But guess what? Those people that raised people, other people from the dead and walked in it, they've spent some time with Jesus. They've spent some time learning his ways, following his lead, following his lordship. So don't ever judge the destination without knowing the steps it took to get there. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. And I'm going to give you some practical steps for turning pressure into power. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. Is everyone there? Are we ready? It says, We do not lose heart. So number one, maybe I'll write these steps down and then we'll read them in the chapter. So, the steps from, for turning pressure into power are these. Number one, we do not lose heart. Number two, we do not pretend. Number three, we glorify Christ in our success. Number four, we let his light illuminate every area of our life with the truth of his word. And number five, we recognize that His power is what's changing us and continually, allow, continually allowing that power to transform us from the inside out. And I'm going to show you that in the Word of God, starting in. In verse 1, 2 Corinthians 4 1 says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Number one, rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Number two, we do not pretend. Let me just tell you, when it comes push comes to shove and you have to believe God, it's not about pretending. It's about that journey from head to heart and really believing, amen? Okay, number three, it says, um, on the contrary, by setting forth the truly plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they could not see the light of the gospel that displays in the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 5 says, For what we preach is not of ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants. So that is, we glorify Christ in our success. For Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. And he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge that's letting his light illuminate every area of our life, of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Verse seven says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Verse 8 says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we are alive and always being given life over death for Jesus' sake, for that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Verse 13 said, It is written... I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, do you believe this, will also raise us with Christ Jesus and present us with you to himself. To himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Verse 16, are you ready for this? Put on your seatbelts. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Glory to God. Glory to God. It says we are hard pressed on every side. The verse before that says, this treasure of jars of clay, what is that representing? That's representing us. And when you think about a clay jar without any substance in it, and it would be hard pressed from every side, what happens to it? Crumbles. It crumbles under pressure, but when there's something in that jar of clay that is more precious, that is stronger than the clay itself, you can apply pressure, and it is not going to break, because the enemy creates pressure in your life with the sole purpose for you to back off of the plan that God has for you. Women of God, women of faith, it is time to press back. It is time to rise up to know that you're a child of God. You are not a slave to fear, and it is time to press back. I will not be defeated. It says, though I am pressed on every side. You think he didn't know what persecution felt like? Just read about him. Just read a few instances of his life. This guy knew, but he knew that the power that dwelled within him was stronger than anything that he would face and that the glory that was set before him was worth the journey, was worth the step of faith, was worth taking risks for the kingdom of God. So don't be discouraged because there's pressure. Be encouraged that God has given you the tools to overcome and grow. Pressure can allow you to go (laughs) To get out of the scene? Goodbye, Jack. Or it can cause you to grow. You choose. You choose. A plant is a very good representation of this. Tia and I, before the service, we were talking about my skill level in uh, gardening. (laughs) It's not there, but we're working on it. Anyways, uh, Jonathan and Tia had blessed me with this little plant kit and these herbs that I could have in my kitchen, and it was great. And I I thought it was so interesting because I was really anticipating they have little seed pockets, and they have the light, and and it's kind of like your little greenhouse inside of your house. And I was excited for those, those seeds to burst forth. But I didn't see any growth for a long time. But I knew that something was happening inside of them that would produce a harvest through them. I just had to wait. And just because I couldn't see it didn't mean it wasn't happening. A baby is a very good representation of that. We don't go to a pregnant woman and say, I don't see the baby, so you're not pregnant. No. (laughs) We That there's every day there's new things developing. I love when somebody I know is pregnant and following that pregnancy app because every day is something new. Every day, oh, they're the size of a cantaloupe, yes! (laughs) Oh, they have eyelashes today. Oh, they have fingernails today. Can we see those things? No. But we know it's happening we know it's happening, and that's what was happening with those seeds. I couldn't see anything coming out of that ground, but I knew that something was happening. And all of a sudden, they started to shoot up at different times, different heights, different lengths. But guess what? All of them produced what they were meant to produce. And all of them did what they were purposed to do. They brought deliciousness into my household. <laughs> And what was interesting about those plants is some of them just sprouted up really fast. And other ones kind of were a little bit slower. And there was a couple that kind of just, have you ever seen a plant where they spiral? It just kind of, they just kind of turned and kind of like grew kind of in a curvy way. And I thought that's so interesting. And what an interesting parallel to our lives. There are seasons in our lives that just, whew, we shoot through another season where, you know, it takes a little, it takes a little maneuvering. But at the end of the day, those, all those plants, no matter how they grew, they all reached their intended purpose. They all reached their intended height. They all reached their intended uh, width. Why? Because they were all going to that destination. They were just getting there a little bit differently. So don't judge somebody's, somebody else around you and say, God, I, I see what you're doing in your, their life. Why aren't you doing it in mine? You don't know what's happening inwardly. You don't know what they're going through, what they're believing God through. Many of you are dealing with things that are probably heavy right now. That if you were to stand up here and tell us, it would probably be like overwhelming to hear everything that was going on. But I want to encourage you That just because you're going through something right now doesn't mean that you're going to stay there. Those seeds didn't stay in the ground. They produced what they were intended to do. And God has a purpose and a plan, and he's got you. I may not know what you're going through, but he does. I may not see everything that you're learning and that God's teaching you and and everything that you've had to walk through by faith, but he does. I'm so thankful for that. Our response to outside pressure is an indicator of our inside measure. You know, years ago, I think it was a couple years ago, I heard a minister talk about this. And he was talking about how when he was in a plane, that when he got to a certain altitude, he noticed different pressure in his water bottle. So I kind of like looked it up today just to to get the um, science behind it. And it says this, it says, the reason that airplanes are equipped with oxygen masks that hang from the ceiling is because of the difference in pressure from 30,000 feet to 8,000 feet. If the cabin loses pressure, the mask drops so the passengers have oxygen to breathe. When you screw the, so this is talking about having a bottle, And it says, if you have a bottle at that altitude and you screw the cap back on the bottle, you are sealing in the gas molecules that are inside that bottle, essentially capturing the air pressure from 8,000 feet above sea level. And when you finally land, the air pressure on Earth is much greater than it was in a pressurized cabin. So it pushes through the outside of the bottle, but the pressure inside the bottle isn't pushing back. Isn't pushing back. So with that same force, so since that pressure outside of the bottle is greater than the pressure inside of the bottle, the bottle simply collapses. So this outside pressure is greater, and this bottle just collapses. But if you have a bottle with some sort of substance in it, if I have that same bottle, I could have these two bottles side by side, and this bottle would collapse, and this bottle would keep its shape. It would keep its intended purpose and it wouldn't collapse because the measure of the pressure inside of it pushes back on that air pressure and is greater. The measure that God has put inside of you was created to push back. It says that... Since the pressure outside of the bottle is greater than the pressure inside of the bottle, the bottle crumbles. And I just believe that God is saying to us tonight that it's time to take the lid off and allow what's inside of us to be birthed on the outside. And in order for this to happen, you have to remove the cap. There's another little scientist uh, experiment in Ms. Kim knows that I love these object lessons because I worked in children's ministry for so long. But if you have a bottle full of water and you put a pin in it and you keep the cap on, it's so interesting, the water just stays. And you think that the water would shoot out, but it doesn't, it just stays. But if you take the cap off, the water pours out. You know, God's put a measure of his spirit inside of us, and sometimes we're wondering, why isn't anything changing inside of our lives? Why isn't anything changing in my outer circumstance? And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight, it's time to take the cap off. It's time to take the cap off of what you think I'm capable of doing, what you think that I can do in your life. Maybe you've seen it in somebody else's life, and you think, well, God just loves them more. No, 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 no. You have the same measure. God is Put his same spirit inside of you, and it is time to release that so what God has done in you can be birthed through you. Have you ever been to the doctor, and you come and say, I'm dealing with this, and they start getting really annoying and poking at you, and you just want to say, would you stop that, please? Stop poking on me. I told you I'm hurting, so why are you poking? Well, what they're doing is they're trying to find the source of your pain, They're trying to find the source of that sickness in order to treat you properly. They're just not going to, you're not going to come into the emergency room and they're just pumping through you full of meds. No, 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 they want to find the source. Sometimes in our life there's pressure, but it's from the inside and it's a good thing. I have some issues in my life that the Holy Spirit has dealt with me for years Again, we were talking about this this afternoon. There's one thing, you know, my father was a planner and he was very detailed and sometimes those details elongated (laughs) processes. You know, and it's so funny because I believe (laughs) that God puts people in your life to help you develop something inside of you that maybe isn't present. And I believe that God Puts people in my life to help me develop patient, what, patience. What's interesting is, I don't really have a problem being patient with people. It's not that. It's it's um, leaving the house or getting out of the car or, or you know stuff like that. I just want to hurry up. And so, I kind of thought, you know, I move out of my house and I'm not going to have these elongated processes anymore. I'm not going to marry somebody that, you know, is so detailed. <laughs> You know, and and that was good for me to think that. And God sends me a wonderful man. He's wonderful, and he's perfect for me in every way. And one of the reasons he's perfect for me is because he's just like my father in that way. (laughs) And we can't leave the house in five minutes because we have to check every door. And we can't just rush from the car because he checks every handle on the door. Every one of them. I always say to him, Is two out of four is good? Let's go. <laughs> Checks him, honks it twice. He goes through this whole process. And a- about three years ago, I finally just said, You know what? I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to laugh. This is who he is. And this is developing patience in me. So, hallelujah. <laughs> So those pokes, sometimes they're there because the Holy Spirit may be indicating to you there's something that you and I need to walk through together. There's something that I want you to learn, and there's something that I need to teach you, but you have to be open to that. You can't just say, stop poking me. Get away from me. I can't go through my whole marriage and my whole life getting upset every time. My husband takes a long time. That wouldn't be very good. And I mean, if he were up here beside me, he would say, well, guess what? God's developing in me because of my wife. (laughs) So it goes both ways. But God puts people, if there's people in your life that really just annoy you to the point of no, like maybe that's the person you need to spend more time with. Okay, I'm going to back off of that for a minute. Moving right along. My pastor always says, Jesus didn't come just to make you happy. He came to make you whole. Amen. He came to make you whole. And you always have the choice to rise up or to shrink back. And it's so interesting. I believe somebody mentioned this in the service today, and I can't remember who, but the woman with the issue of blood. Who was that? Cherry. Okay, it was Cherry in her testimony. That's awesome. Because I believe that we're supposed to, to be reminded of that story tonight. In Luke 8, 43, if you'll turn there, it says, And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years could not be healed by anyone came up behind him, talking about Jesus, and she touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that the power had gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. This is a woman that at that time period what she was dealing with was not understood in the medical community. And because it was an issue with blood, she was automatically assumed that she was unclean. And so when she would come into a presence of people that knew what was going on, they immediately wanted to have nothing to do with her. Get away from me, gross. She carried with her a cloak of reputation that she didn't deserve, that she didn't own. But it was put on her by all of these other people that said, you're not worthy because this has happened to you. You're not worthy to be in our presence because this is what you're experiencing. She had gone to every doctor that she could. She spent all her wages. She had nothing left. Talk about getting back on the horse. This woman had been told over and over again, there is no hope, there is nothing we can do for you. But she heard of this man named Jesus, and she heard that he was the healer. And there was something inside of her that rose up that was greater than her outside circumstance. And even though with that infirmity, she carried shame and guilt, and everybody around her just wanted to back away, she pressed through And she said, because what's on the other side is my healing. What's on the other side is my wholeness. And if I can just get to Jesus and if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I may be whole. And everything that she had heard in the past, you're not worth it. You're not worthy. You're unclean. There's no hope. There's no deliverance. There's no cure. You have nothing left. Now you're poor. That didn't matter. And all that she focused on was that him, was that power, and she pressed through the crowd. And you can imagine that she probably physically was weak, dealing with what she was dealing with, didn't have a lot of had a lot of blood loss, and she continued to press, and she continued to push, and it was her faith that made her whole. It was her faith that made her whole, because she pressed through what was outside of her. Because she decided that I don't care what anybody says. I don't care. I'm going to press through. I'm going to keep going because at the, on the other side of this is wholeness. On the other side of this is my freedom. On the other side of this is Jesus. It's time to press back, women of God. Hebrews 10:35. It says, "Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. for you have need of endurance, women of faith, you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised." Verse 37 says, for yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39 says, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. What does that mean? Preserving, it means to be kept from injury, destruction, or decay. It means to be secure, and it means to be safe. Jesus didn't just save you from something, women of God. Jesus saved you for something. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. The Amplified says, let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to press back. And I'm ready. I'm reminded also of that woman. Do you remember the woman that washed the feet of Jesus with her hair? And when she came in, she came in with a reputation. We don't know what she did. There's some people that believe that she was a prostitute. Some people believe that she was married to maybe some man that didn't have a a job that was honorable, like a tax collector, and that's how she made her money. But it doesn't really matter. The point is, when she entered the room, they said, if he's really a prophet, He's not going to deal with this woman. But she had the courage to walk through the door. You know, all Jesus is asking you is to just take a step, to walk through that door. Because when she walked through the door, she locked eyes with Jesus, and everybody said, oh, he's going to tell her. I mean, he's going to tell her what she is. But instead, Jesus said, go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And she's and the woman didn't really even ask for forgiveness. She just wept at his feet. And she just washed his feet with her hair. And sometimes when we don't have the words to say, God knows your heart. And you may have been weeping before God. And women, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a few tears. I'm talking about that deep, guttural cry that only you and the Lord see And Jesus answered what she didn't even ask because he knew what she needed. And Jesus knows what you need tonight in this place. He doesn't want any of you to walk out that door in bondage, in destruction, in fear, He doesn't want any of you to leave this place today not having freedom and not knowing who you are in Christ. And he doesn't want any of you to say, I don't have the courage for this season. No, you do. Because what is in you, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And I overwhelmingly conquer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. For at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Glory be to God.